0: All right. Well, I want to say happy Thanksgiving to you all. It's the Thanksgiving uh, weekend. Some of you are still in your food coma of turkey and turkey leftovers. So uh, we do thank you for joining us. And maybe it was a little different for you this year. I know a lot of families are feeling a little bit um, sort of unfulfilled or a little bit hollow because it wasn't quite what it was. Maybe you're used to large you know, get-togethers, and maybe it was a little smaller. Uh, perhaps the travel didn't happen like it has in the past. Maybe you didn't go someplace you planned, or maybe people didn't come to you as planned. Uh, perhaps you did some online Thanksgiving something or another. It's just a little different this year. And even as we're looking forward to Christmas as as really a a, a joyous occasion that's just a little bit muted, because again, we're having to make some tough decisions about where we go, where we travel, who comes and who doesn't. Uh, Our own family is making some decisions today or tomorrow about Christmas travel, and it's probably not going to be good news for us. But there's just a little bit of funk in the air here, even in this holiday season, because it is 2020. And then if you kind of imagine beyond Christmas what New Year's is going to look like, is it going to be a New Year's celebration, right? Times Square is going to be completely empty. Is there going to be a ball drop in fireworks, or is it just going to be more low-key, right? We're definitely saying goodbye, thankfully, to 2020, but 2021 is going to start with some struggle. Hopefully by spring and summer we can get sort of past this and move on with a semblance of normalcy, but uh, it's just a different kind of a year. But no matter what is happening around us, either nationally or globally, no matter what is happening even in our own lives, and and for some people, there's a deep struggle, internally, emotionally, or with their family life and family relationships, health problems, there's all kinds of things happening in the world, nationally, uh, globally, and even personally. In all that, I'd like us to spend this day, this half an hour, thanking God for the love in our lives. Because nothing can really take away love in our lives nothing can. Love is more powerful than any circumstance around us, for the good or for the bad. Love is the most powerful thing to rest our lives on. And in fact, I'm going to put this on the screen here, and and some of you might not initially agree with this, but hang on. We are in total control of the love in our life. So there's a lot of things in life that we're not in control of. We're not in control of pandemics and politics and racial tensions. We're not in control of a lot that happens even in our own personal lives, but we are in total control of the love in our life. And some of you might think, rightfully, well, I can't control whether people love me, and I can't control how they love me, and you would be right. But you're in total control of two all-important things. You are in total control of how much you believe God loves you. Now, listen carefully to that. You are in total control of how much you believe God loves you. We'll talk about that out of Romans. You're also in total control of how much you love others. That is 100% within your control. So you're in total control of the love in your life. And yes, you can't control how somebody loves you or if they love you, but that, that's really, doesn't have to be a lot of your concern. You are in total control of how much you believe God loves you, and you're in total control of how much you love others. So seize that control. And we're going to see from Romans chapter 13 that if we can seize that kind of control in our lives to be in total control of the love in our lives, based on Romans chapter 13, we are going to live a magnificent life, truly magnificent life, no matter what's going on around us. So let's start with this. How much does God love you anyway, right? How much does God love you? And I'm telling you, this is going to be a simple message. Romans 13 is very simple here. But it's very, very powerful. How much does God love you? Let's just start with this much, right? He loves you this much. Not this much. He loves you lotsa. Lotsa, lotsa. We used to say to our young kids, love you lotsa, lotsa. God loves us a lot. In fact, there's a cool little picture of of two lines with the infinite sign. That's how much God loves you. He loves you infinitely, right? And all we have to do is look to the book of Romans to to try to express how deeply God loves you. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. And I'm just going to read through eight verses here. And it's just this pouring out of God's love. It's sort of this urging us, almost begging us to believe that God loves us lots and lots. He loves us eternally, right? Because it's not easy to believe that. It is so easy for us to think that, well, I've, I've done this wrong, I've done this wrong, I've done this wrong. I shouldn't do this, but I do, and, and I should do this, but I don't. It's easy for us to have a record of our own wrongs, and so it's easy for us to say, well, well, God's a little bit disappointed in me, maybe he's a little mad at me, and maybe he's a little distant from me because I'm just not measuring up. It's so easy to think God loves us this much, and if we get our act together, he'll love us a little bit more, but no put that thought aside. Believe something different. Believe God loves you with an eternal love no matter what. No matter what. Romans 5. We have been made right in God's sight by faith. He just does it. He makes us right. All we have to do is believe it. Just believe that God has made us right. Again, we're in total control of how much we believe God loves us. This says, believe that God has made us right in his sight. We are good with God. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter your failures right now. You're good with God by grace. He just loves you. So we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. God did all the work. We do nothing to earn or deserve or merit God's love. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege. Yes, we don't deserve it. We are all failures. You are. I am. We don't deserve to be in right relationship with God. He just does it. He makes us right with him because of what Jesus did for us. His life, death, and resurrection brought us near to God. It's a gift of grace. It's a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And this is an idea of being confident in what we believe about how much God loves us. We stand on this, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So not only are we in right standing with God right now by grace, an undeserved privilege, but this lasts forever. This is talking about an eternal glory in the presence of God. It's fantastic. And when we run into problems, and that is a big promise in the Bible, that there will always be problems of some sort. When we run into problems and trials, we can still celebrate because we know that they help us develop endurance. Even the struggles in life, if we're resting on the love of God and the grace of God, this undeserved privilege, then even the difficulties in our lives, we know that God is at work to make us more and more like Jesus. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. A life that is grounded in the love of God will not be a life of disappointment now and forever, for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So the love of God is not just to be something that we receive on, on faith as sort of this intellectual exercise that God loves me, but God wants to well up the feeling of that in our hearts by his spirit so we can feel the love of God, again, no matter what's happening around us. And how did God show us that love? He showed us his great love by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. In other words, the whole goal of life is not to sin less. The whole goal of life is for sinners to understand that God loves us regardless. That's the beauty of the Christian faith as opposed to any other religion. It is the Christian faith is devoted to this pure embrace of grace, not this idea that I've got to meet God halfway because I'm good enough or righteous enough or holy enough or I repent or I confess or you know, I stop sinning. No, we are sinners. We fail. And so we embrace God's love. And it's actually God's love that ends up transforming us to be more and more like Jesus. But it all begins with love. I love you this much, God says, eternally, right? That's how much you are loved by God. It's so hard to believe that. It is so hard to believe that. Now, you know your failures. I know my failures. God knows our failures, yet he loves us and forgives us regardless. He just did it. God made you right with him. He just did it. We're good with God. Jesus lived for you to show you the love of God in person. Jesus died for you to show you the sacrificial love that God has for us. Jesus now lives for you, connecting you with God now and forever. God's love can fill your heart and fill your mind. God's love can walk you through every challenge in life. And God's love can make you more and more like him over time. God's love is complete. It is total. Yet there are still people filling churches today who believe that God might be mad at them because they failed in some way. God must be mad at me. Believe something different. He's not mad at you. Yes, he wants you to live a good life because it's for your benefit. And when we fail to live a good life, we suffer the consequences of that. And God would rather we not suffer the consequences of bad choices because he loves us, right? But he's not punishing us. He's not out to get us. He's not angry with you. He's not gonna get you back. Some people believe this stuff, right? Believe something different. You're in total control of what you believe about God's love for you. He is not disappointed in you. He is not angry with you. He is not punishing you. He's not getting back at you. He simply loves you as a perfect father would. Would you just believe that and embrace that and accept that? Romans 8 goes on to inspire us in God's love. Now, again, Paul is urging us, almost begging us to believe how much we're loved by God. He says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. There is no power that can separate us from God's love. Do you believe that? No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you believe that? We are in total control of how much we believe God loves us. God is very fond of you just as you are. Yes, he knows your failures. He's fond of you just as you are. His affections are always for you, never against you. He looks at you as his perfect daughter. He looks at you as his perfect son. He embraces you fully without any reservation. He just wants you to believe how much you're loved. He wants you to believe how much you're forgiven. You are forgiven of everything you've done in the past and everything you will do in the future. It is paid for by Jesus Christ. He wants to walk closely with you as his love changes you to be more like Jesus' son. That sound pretty cool? Believe that you are loved that much. Believe that you are that loved And if we believe that and kind of get over the religious thinking and get over this idea of God's punishment or fear or judgment or wrath or whatever we have been kind of dealt with when when we were younger in Sunday school or churches, whatever nonsense that we were told in religious circles about, about offending God and God's anger on you and his punishment on you or even eternal condemnation, all that nonsense that's been put in your head, believe something different. Believe God's perfect, total, unconditional forgiving love. And if we believe that, there's nothing more powerful on earth. The power of believing you are loved by God is the most powerful force on earth because that kind of love, this kind of love, is the kind of love that transforms the heart. And this kind of love is the kind of love that can start loving others. But I'm telling you, this kind of love is actually controversial in Christian churches. It blows my mind. It's actually controversial. A lot of people, and it's understandable, believe that God loves us this much. You know, those T-Rex arms. We believe God loves us this much. Yeah, he loves us, but if we're good people, he'll love us a little bit more. If we're religious, he'll love us a little bit more. Oh, you sinned today? Ah, now he's got to kind of distance himself from you. Sin separates us from God. This religious nonsense has God's love this big. And if we do our part, his his T-Rex arms will get a little wider, right? That's just religious nonsense. So many people believe their failures separate them from God, it's not true. So many people believe that God is angry with them, it's not true. So many people believe God's disappointed with them, it's not true. Believe something different. Belief is a choice, it's a decision. It's not an easy one. It's not easy to stop believing something you were raised with. It's not easy to start believing something that's new and foreign. But I'm telling you, it's a choice that you can make right now. Start believing right now. God, I believe your love for me is without condition. It is without end. It is eternal. You're not mad at me. You're not disappointed in me. You love me. You've accepted me. I'm your perfect son. I'm your perfect daughter. Thank you for doing all the work to bring me in a right relationship with you now, and I get to enjoy that forever. I believe that through Jesus. Amen. Choose to believe something different. You're in total control of how much you believe God loves you. And you're in total control of how much you love others. So given that God loves you this much, how much can you love others? This much. If you believe God loves you this much, you can only love others this much. But if you believe God loves you this much, you can love others this much. I told you this was going to be simple, right? <laughs> but there's nothing more powerful in all the earth. We can love others a whole lot. And that's what Romans 13 is all about. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. The only thing we have to worry about is loving one another. That's God's paradigm. That's God's kingdom. That's what it's all about. That's why Jesus came to show us the full expression of God, the Heavenly Father. That's why Jesus came to show us that God is love. That's why Jesus came to show us the full extent of God's love by giving himself sacrificially on a cross, taking the darkness of the world upon himself, Every bit of violence and persecution and hate was poured out upon Jesus and he rose again from the dead in victory over all of it. That's the power of love. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. Uh, We could call this paying it forward, right? You've heard of that, right? Paying it forward. To put it another way, we don't have to pay God back for his love. So here God loves us this much completely unconditionally he loves us and so we might think in religious circles well that means i need to love god back right i need to pay it back to god and that's a lot of what we believe about god's love god loved us so much he gave his son and so certainly we need to love god in return and god says you don't need to love me back it is nice you know loving god but loving me isn't really about directing your love at me it's about paying it forward god says you don't have to pay love back you want to love me pay it forward. Pay it forward. Pay God's love forward by loving other people. The concept is pretty simple here. Uh, Some of you may have had incredible parents, right? Parents who cared for you deeply. They were patient with you. They showed you affection. Uh, They were patient with you even in your failures. They lovingly guided you toward a bright future, right? So any loving parent wouldn't be, you know, in this position where, okay, well, now you have to love me back, right? I loved you like this, now you have to love me back. No, a good parent is not gonna say, hey, love me back, pay it back. A good parent is gonna say, hey, listen, whatever good things I poured into your life, I want you to pay it forward by loving your kids the same way, right? Pay it forward. We don't need to pay God back. God says, pay it forward. Love other people with the love I've given you. I love what it says in Romans 13, 8. Owe nothing to anyone except your obligation to love one another. And then it goes on to say this, if you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. In other words, love is so important, love is so foundational that it is all God could ever possibly want in your life. God doesn't want you obeying a bunch of commandments. Now, I know this is going to tweak some of you. God doesn't want you obeying a bunch of his commandments? The commandments of the Old Testament in particular were given for a time and a place to Israel to civilize them. They were an uncivilized, kind of barbaric tribal situation wandering in the desert. God gave them the law to civilize them in the desert. That's the Old Testament. God doesn't want us navigating a bunch of Old Testament laws given to ancient barbarian tribes to civilize them. That's how things got started. It got them civil, más o menos. <laughs> But law can't change the hearts. Threat can't change the heart. Fear can't change the heart. Only love can. So here we have Jesus, the full expression of God, which is the full expression of love. And Jesus says, listen, all those laws, they're fulfilled, right? All we have to do is worry about love. That's all we have to do is worry about love. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. Love is so powerful, we don't need God's law anymore. Love is so powerful, we don't need the commandments anymore. Love is so powerful, all of God's requirements are fulfilled by it. Just worry about love. And some of you kind of raised in church, and you might have been raised on those Old Testament commandments, and you might have been taught that those commandments are still the authority in our lives today, and they are not. This is going to take an adjustment. Romans thirteen nine tries to make that adjustment for us. You know the commandments. These are some of the big 10. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not covenant, covet. Here's the list of commandments. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. All we have to worry about is love. I did not have to wake up this morning searching God's commandment to tell me whether or not I should cheat on my wife today. I don't have to look for the commandments. Why? I love my wife. If I just focus on loving my wife, I don't have to navigate laws and consequences of breaking the law. It's irrelevant. The law is irrelevant to me because I love my wife. And if I just keep focusing on loving my wife, I don't have to navigate a single commandment about marriage. Make sense? If I love, I'm not going to steal from you. If I love, I'm probably not going to murder you. Love covers everything, everything, everything. So listen to Romans 13, 10. This is is just a nail on the head. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Get this. This is a good one. God's priority is simply that we do no wrong to others. That's God's priority. God gave us the law so that we would do no wrong to others. God gave us the law so that we would treat each other well. God didn't give us the law so that we would obey him. God gave us the law so that we would treat others well. Boy, if we can get our heads around that, we're going to be free from a lot of religious nonsense. A lot of people believe that God has these laws and these rules, and he wants them to be obeyed so that he would be satisfied with us, so that he would be happy with us. So that we would appease him by our obedience to the commandments. That is just nonsense. Just nonsense. Romans 13.10 says God gave the law so that we would do no wrong to others. Let me put it this way. For some of you it's going to be a head scratcher. God does not give us commands to make him happy. God gives us commands to make us happy. Wait a minute. I thought God was this holy God. And holy God demands obedience. And if we don't obey him, then he's going to be angry because he's holy and he's perfect. And if we're not perfect, he's going to be angry. And if he's angry with us, there's going to be some punishment and somebody has to be punished. And so we live in fear. That's the whole religious thinking. Romans 13 is trying to get us free from that, that God gave us the commands for our own benefit so we would treat each other well. Listen. God is totally secure. God is completely fine. God needs nothing from us. If we sin against God, he's not like, oh, well, now I'm mad at you. Th- that's, that, would, that would be such a foolish thing to think of God. The eternal almighty God would somehow be so insecure that if we sinned against him, he's mad. That's what we believe about God? That he's so insecure that he gets mad when we disobey him? I mean, that's crazy. Or that he has to, somebody's got to pay the price. Who's going to pay the price? That's insane. That's not, a, that's not a, a secure, almighty, self-sufficient God. That's a petulant child king who gets, uh, throws a temper. and you know, I'm gonna ruin this life and I'm gonna get somebody back, eternal condemnation. I mean, it's, what we believe about God is so insane. We can believe something different about God, that God loves us and so he gives us commandments. And if we, if we, if we disregard those commandments and we then mistreat each other, Yes, God is not happy that we mistreat each other. But he's not like personally offended. We hurt his feelings and now he's mad. He's sad that we mistreat each other. So God, this, this perfect, loving, heavenly father, gives us commands initially to say, hey, treat each other civilly. Please don't murder each other. Please don't steal each other's stuff. Please don't take each other's land. Please don't take each other's you know, spouses. Just, just treat each other well. And when we do, yes, God's happier than when we don't. And when we don't, it's not like He's full of vengeance and has to unleash on somebody. He simply wants our good. That's why He gave the commands. Now, if we choose to love, we don't have to worry about navigating the commands because that's all God wants in the first place. Don't do wrong to each other and treat each other with love. If you ever wonder, this is going to be important for some of you, if you ever wonder what's right and wrong, ask the question does it do harm? Romans 13, 10, love does no wrong to others. Love does no harm to others. So morality is not about what, you know, this this cosmic cop in the sky, uh, you know, what he wants to make him happy, that's not God. God is in the business of making us happy, so don't kill and don't take, right? Just love, just love true holiness, God's true holiness is the security to live for the benefit of others. God lives for our benefit. And because we know God lives for our benefit, because we know that's the extent of God's love for us, there's a peace that overwhelms us. 1 John 4, 18, love does not fear If you have any fear of God, listen to this. Love does not fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. God is not in the business of being disappointed. God is not in the business of being angry. God is not in the business of punishing. God is in the business of loving. He loves He loves, he loves. Perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love does not have to do with punishment. I'm gonna continue one more time. John 10, 10, get this. The very purpose of God expressed through Jesus is this. My purpose is to give them. I'm gonna give them. I'm gonna give the world, get this, a rich and exceedingly satisfying life. Did you get that? I'm gonna put this phrase in your head and I don't want it to ever leave you. The purpose of Jesus is to give us all a rich and exceedingly satisfying life. Put that phrase in your head. God wants to give you a rich and exceedingly satisfying life. He did that through Jesus. That's his love for you. He loves you this much. So now because we're loved this much, we can love others this much. And we can live to give others a rich and exceedingly satisfying life. So here's how we're gonna wrap this up. You ready? Love is not just a feeling of affection. That's important, but that kinda comes and goes at times. Love is not just a warm emotion towards somebody. That's fine, but it comes and goes at times. Love is about the commitment to give somebody a rich and exceedingly satisfying life. That's what love is. So you might say, hey, I love my spouse, love my wife, love my husband, love my kids. You might mean that, right? But what real God-style love is, to love this much means I'm going to live to give them a rich and exceedingly satisfying life. So if God loves us that much, then here's the question for us and our families and our marriage. How about today you live to give your spouse a rich and exceedingly satisfying day? (laughs) Some of you have plans on how your spouse can love you like that. (laughs) That's what love is today I'm going to give my spouse a rich and deeply satisfying life. Today I'm going to strive by God's grace and God's love to give my kids a rich and deeply satisfying or exceedingly satisfying life. I'm going to live to give my neighbor a rich and exceedingly satisfying life. I'm going to live to give my church family a rich and exceedingly, you getting the point here? When I'm just around town Getting gas, going shopping, all the stress of Christmas, whatever, nonsense out there. I don't even go outside. I go from here to my house, and that's it during the holidays. I send my wife, you go. Give me a rich and exceedingly satisfying life. <laughs> you liked that one, didn't you? All right. <laughs> that's what love is. I'm going to give the stranger out there in town a rich and exceedingly satisfying life. Maybe just for a moment, just for one little moment, you go first. I'm fine. That person just had a little bit more of a rich and exceedingly satisfying life. How about the person in need? How about the the thousands of people in our own community, community who are in need, truly in need of food, of friends? They're hurting, they're struggling. How can we give that person a rich and exceedingly satisfying life? That's what love is. That's where generosity matters and volunteering matters. It's just a life of love, right? If God loves us this much, we can love others this much. It is that simple. But I'm telling you, no matter what's going on around us, pandemics, elections, tensions, no matter what's going on around us, no matter what's going on in our own life, nothing can take away love received and love given that God gave us through Jesus a rich and exceedingly satisfying life and we can give others a rich and exceedingly satisfying life. That's love. Let's pray. Our God and Father, this, um, this message out of Romans 13 is very, very simple. Yet there are so many people who have yet to experience the freedom of truly believing the depth of your love for us through Jesus Christ. We have believed perhaps that you're mad at us, you're disappointed in us, you are distant from us. Maybe you're punishing us, all these things because we're not good enough, we're not measuring up. Help us to believe something different today, even in this very moment. That right here, right now, as we are where we are, no matter what, your love for us is eternal. There's no way you could love us any more than you love us right now in this very moment, even with all of our failures. We thank you for that kind of love, that kind of forgiveness, that kind of acceptance that you proved through Jesus Christ, who lived for us, died for us, and rose again for us, that we would live an abundant life, a rich and exceedingly abundant life. So God, help us to simply give that away to others. Let it start in our own homes, especially this holiday season with our family and extended family. Help us to forgive others the way you forgive us. Help us to to avoid anger and disappointment the way you don't, you're not mad at us or disappointed in us. Help us to love our family the way you love us. God, help us to love the stranger. Help us to love those in need. No matter what happens around us, love cannot be taken away. And we are in total control of what we believe about your love and we're in total control of how we love others. Help us to love more and more like Jesus. In his name we pray and everybody said.